Hello, welcome to Parents Go To OT Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Newman. I'm a pediatric occupational therapist, life coach, meltdown specialist, and theraparent advocate. I created Parents Go To OT because I realized that the number one thing holding kids back is that they are not able to receive therapy every day. Just imagine what it would be like if your child could receive therapy every day. Like I'm sure you've heard, it takes at least 21 days to develop a habit. And there's no better therapist for your child than you, the number one expert. This show is all about breaking the gap between parents and therapists to make occupational therapy common knowledge for all parents so you can start seeing faster therapy results. I'm going to teach you all of my OT secrets and give you valuable resources to start adding OT into your daily routine. So instead of meltdowns, tantrums, hyperactivity, and bouncing off the walls, you're going to start seeing a more calm, regulated, and focused child. My passion is to breed confidence and peace. That is my name to my website, Be Free OT, because I wanted to give parents freedom. I want you to feel freer, lighter, more alive, and more inspired. I will share powerful tools on how to feel and think like a therapist. I truly believe that parents make the best therapists because no one knows your child better than you. Join me today and let's break the gap between parents and therapists. Now, let's jump into the show. Hey friends, so we are back with part two. So last week I talked about how the number one cause of dysregulation and meltdowns is chronic fight or flight. So that was part one. And in today's episode, part two, I'm going to be talking about what to do and the answer to treating your child's chronic fight or flight and getting that golden ticket to an easier and more peaceful world where there's less meltdowns and a more calm and regulated child and family. So if you haven't listened to part one, which was the last episode, episode four, then I recommend maybe pressing pause really quick and going back to listen to that episode first because today's episode is part two and is all about how to get your child out of that fight or flight mode. And so the secret ingredient and my key to ending chronic fight or flight is through grounding. So you may or may have not heard of grounding before, but my version of grounding is probably different than anywhere else you've heard. And it doesn't have to do with walking barefoot in the dirt or grounding with the earth or becoming one with the earth. So I'm going to give you the lowdown and really dive deep. But first, just a quick definition or an easy way of putting it, grounding is simply the opposite of fight or flight mode. So just a quick reminder, fight or flight mode is that stress response that happens when your mind feels it is in danger, which then leads to a physical response in our body. So like our heart rate goes up, we breathe more rapidly, our senses heighten, pretty much leads to our body and mind just overall being on edge. So typically, fight or flight response is supposed to happen when we're actually in danger. It is great for preparing for emergency events, but sometimes it kicks into action and detects a problem when there really isn't any. So for some of us, our body goes into fight or flight mode to more trivial things when our body's not actually in danger. So one example is our kids who have sensory processing challenges, a lot of times when their bodies aren't able to successfully process all the sensory input coming in, it leads to somewhat of a traffic jam in the brain causing them to feel unsafe or in or in danger, and consequently putting their bodies into that fight or flight mode. So if this happens frequently or becomes what I call chronic fight or flight, it can have really harmful consequences. It can affect our health, especially our gut, because it makes it difficult to digest, which is why I believe a lot of my kids have gut issues. It makes hormones rush throughout our body, which I'm sure you can probably guess the consequences of that, like making us just more angry and emotional. It makes our energy rate go up which if you think about it, this is what can all 
in a combination lead to our kids having regular meltdowns and just difficulty focusing and following directions can lead to impulsivity. It can make overall emotional regulation and self-regulation challenging, all because kids with chronic fight or flight, their bodies and minds are constantly in that hyper alert state. So think back to the times when maybe you felt really stressed and had a lot of anxiety. So for me, here's one example. Um, maybe it's a Monday after having a really bad Sunday scariest the day before when I feel my to-do list is never ending and like I'm never going to be able to get everything done and one person says or does something that just completely sends me over the edge and some days it might be something as simple as just someone cutting me off on the road when I'm driving or maybe spilling my coffee, which if you're a coffee addict like me, then you can probably feel my pain there. But anyways, one simple thing can just make my heart rate go up, start breathing shorter, more rapidly, and, um, and just feel maybe on the verge of crying and breaking down. Usually I have a harder time focusing and all that stress just makes it 10 times more difficult to actually get anything done. And my end product is usually a whole lot worse than what I would do if I was in a more calm and relaxed state because pretty much my brain just shuts down and I freeze. So that's kind of what my body looks like in fight or flight mode, but everyone's fight or flight mode can look a little bit different. So some kids might yell or scream, or other kids might stomp the floor and kick or even maybe hit themselves or might have accidents or have difficulty time breathing to the point where they start hyperventilating. Or one I see a lot are kids that their whole body tenses up and they'll clench their fists. And if you feel their body, it just feels rock hard. Or other kids might have a completely different effect. So when their body goes into that fight or flight mode, it might make them very hyper and start bouncing off the walls and just acting very impulsive. And they have a hard time settling down and concentrating because remember, fight or flight mode makes our energy rate go up. So pretty much what I'm saying is everyone's fight or flight mode can look a little different. It might not always be meltdowns. So that was just a brief summary again. For the real lowdown, go back and listen to my last episode, part one. So now I want to really get into the solution. So what is the solution for chronic fight or flight? So my solution, which I mentioned earlier, is grounding, which basically means bringing your focus to what is happening physically instead of being trapped in that hyper alert fight or flight state. So just a little science for you really quick. And it's really simple, so don't get too caught up in all the sciencey words. So pretty much the amygdala is the fear center part of our brain. So the amygdala, or for today I'm just going to call the amygdala Amy D for short. So Amy D is the part of the brain that perceives fear and triggers us to go into that fight or flight mode. So pretty much Amy D is that little voice in our head that we hear if we're ever anxious or worried about something. So here's how the typical process goes down. So we have a negative thought about a situation. Remember, a thought doesn't necessarily mean that it is real. So Amy D says, emergency, emergency, and initiates what is called the autonomic nervous system, aka fight or flight mode. And then Amy D, aka the amygdala, interprets these body changes as just evidence that something really bad is happening and further activates it and just creating a vicious cycle where we just become more and more anxious, physically and emotionally overwhelmed. So thankfully, though, we can use grounding techniques to break out of that vicious cycle. And how do we do this? So let's think of what is the opposite of fight or flight. Also, as I mentioned earlier, the autonomic nervous system. So the opposite of this is the parasympathetic nervous system, or what I call grounding. 
So while the autonomic nervous system is that stress response, instead the parasympathetic nervous system is the relax relaxation response, aka grounding. So grounding is all about counteracting that fight or flight mode and triggering the parasympathetic nervous system or that relaxation response. So that's it with all the science medical terminology. I just wanted to show you that there is some science behind this method. So now we're going to really dive into what is grounding. So grounding basically means bringing your focus to what is happening physically, either in your body or in your surroundings, instead of being trapped by the thoughts in your mind that are causing you to feel anxious. So my personal grounding formula is made up of four parts, and each part of this is essential and needed for success. And honestly... The four parts of this are going to be really helpful for your kids, but you might even take away some tips for yourself too. So the first part is prevention, and this is so important to ending your child's chronic fight or flight in order to reprogram their minds to not always go into that fight or flight mode. We need to try our best to prevent it from happening because right now it's become habitual. Their body is so used to automatically going into that fight or flight mode and in order to break that habit is through prevention. So we do this by writing out the times of day that your child is most dysregulated. So I'm, right now, maybe go grab a piece of paper and pencil and just pause this and just think of the times that your child might have the most meltdowns, be really hyper, or when they're most emotional or having a hard time focusing and following directions. And during these times, we need to add a calming and relaxing activity to help activate the parasympathetic nervous system, aka the opposite of fight or flight, and to help just trigger that relaxation response in their body. Because if we can get their body into that mode, they're going to be less likely to trigger or go into that fight or flight mode. So in addition to the times of day they're most regulated, we need to think of what are their triggers. So maybe just some examples, their trigger might be handwriting or eating. So before these activities, we need to do the calming activity right before having them do anything either related to handwriting or eating. So inside of my online course, your meltdown manual, I cover everything and help you figure out the main cause of your child's meltdowns and dysregulation. And you can actually try lesson one for free. So to enroll, you can go to befreeot.com. So as you can see, part one prevention is so important and a required component of grounding. So what are these relaxation strategies that are known to activate that parasympathetic nervous system relaxation response, you might ask? So that brings us to part two and part three. So part two is breath work. And you've probably heard about this before because this is on the rise everywhere around the world. This is something I personally practice and highly recommend everyone try it. Um, there's a book that I read recently by James Nestor called Breath, the New Science of a Lost Art. Um, and it talks about how this started like over 4,000 years ago and has been around for such a long time. In the summary of the book, it says, no matter what you eat, how much you exercise, how young or wise you are, none of this matters if you're not breathing properly. There is nothing more essential to our health and well-being than breathing. There is so much evidence out there that shows that breathing deeply and bringing awareness to our breath signals our parasympathetic nervous system to help calm the body. But one thing I learned in this book is the importance of nose breathing or nasal breathing and how ben beneficial it is. So nose breathing allows our body to get way more oxygen than breathing through our mouth. And we all know how important oxygen, pretty much the number one most important thing that keeps us alive. I was shocked to learn from James Nestor that 25 to 50% of the population breathes habitually through their mouth, and that doing so has been linked to both neurological and respiratory problems, metabolic orders, and more. So the opposite of mouth breathing, 
nose breathing has been shown to be the most efficient way of breathing that can help relieve asthma, anxiety, can regulate blood pressure, but most most importantly, it can activate the parasympathetic nervous system, that relaxation response. So one of those relaxation strategies I mentioned that you need to be doing before the times of day that your child has the most meltdowns or is most dysregulated is, as you probably guessed it, breath work. So there's lots of different ways you can do this, but here's just one example of a way you can have your child lay down to help them feel calm and supported and can place have them place a hand either in front of their face, in front of their nose, or maybe on their belly so that way they can feel their own breathing. And you can either set a timer or say, we're going to breathe for one minute. So this way we just keep it kind of quick so it's not really cumbersome chore, but more so a relaxing break, something that they look forward to. And you can have them breathe in through their nose, either by demonstrating, or maybe you can show them, a, you can have them blow out candles. Maybe you can even place a pencil on a table and see if they can move the pencil by only breathing out through their nose and not their mouths. It's just one game that I might play during my sessions. So those are just some ways to practice deep breathing. Feel free to get creative here. So let's recap really quick. So the, my grounding formula, part one is prevention. Part two is breath work, and up next, part three is deep pressure, which if you've been following me for a while, you probably guessed this was going to be somewhere in here because you know I always talk about this, and my golden rule of therapy is that deep pressure is calming, similar to how a massage is so relaxing, the same for kids. So adding deep pressure throughout their day is so beneficial, especially during the times right before they get most dysregulated to help trigger the parasympathetic nervous system and help counteract that chronic fight or flight and get them into that relaxed state. So fun fact, one way of providing deep pressure, so I'm sure if you listen to my other episodes, you've heard me talk about this a lot, but another way of adding deep pressure is through inversions, which is simply just any form of hanging upside down. And if you try this, I promise you'll feel it and you'll feel all that deep pressure. And so studies show that muscle tension and stress drops by 35% in the first 10 seconds of inverting on an inversion table. But don't worry, you don't need an inversion table to do this. You can even have your child hang upside down off their bed or off a couch and support their head with pillows. But make sure to be with your child whenever they're doing this one just in case. And so maybe you can have them start with just hanging upside down for 30 seconds at first and gradually working up to uh, longer periods of time, like two to four minutes. Um, But just again, it definitely does not need to be a long period of time, kind of like breath work, short periods of time, maybe just one to to three times a day during those times a day that they, before they get most dysregulated. There are also lots more ways to add deep pressure throughout the day. I have a really long list on my website, befreeot.com. If you go to the sensory series, then the sensory seeking section, you'll see that long list there. Um, You can also go to this episode's podcast notes to find the link to that. But some ways of adding deep pressure throughout the day, because consistency is key here. For deep pressure, it needs to be lots of deep pressure. One time really isn't going to be enough. So some examples are compression clothes, which you can find for cheap at um, Amazon or Walmart or any store, and weighted blankets, deep pressure massages, which that's one that you could even add before the breath work or after the breath work, after having them do that one minute breath work activity, or even foam rollers or joint compressions, another good one that I really, really love. There are so, so, so many ways And you know you're thinking like a therapist when you're just going throughout your day and then all of a sudden you do something like, oh, wow, I felt some deep pressure there when I was vacuuming. 
hmm, that might be a good deep pressure activity for my child to do. And also get some help with cleaning the mom at it while also calming and regulating my child at the same time. So now it is time to wrap it up with part four, which is to stay calm. So our kids really, really feed off of our energy and the people around them. So if their siblings are very excited, our classmates, they're going to get just just as excited. Or if we are really anxious or angry or excited, they're going to pick up on that unconsciously. So try your best throughout the day to remain calm when you're around them. I usually speak very softly and calmly, trying not to show any emotions, especially when they're dysregulated, to help them feed off of my energy. Because the second I start running around after them or raising my voice, it's going to be a downward spiral from there. So always remember to stay calm. And I'm talking like try to use your best monotone, emotionless voice. So maybe something like, you are safe, you are loved, everything is okay. The softer you speak, the more they really have to pay attention and get their mind off of whatever it is fixating, whatever it is fixating on to stay calm. So stay calm, speak soft, and keep everything short and precise to make it very, very easy to understand. So I really hope you enjoyed today's episode, part two, all about grounding. If you have any questions at all, I would love to hear from you at BeFreeOccupationalTherapy at gmail.com. Also, don't forget Meltdown Manual Close is October 23rd, so you do not want to miss this life-changing course. You can check that out at BeFreeOT.com. Also, if you did enjoy today's episode, it would mean so, so, so much to me if you subscribed and left a review. You are truly amazing TheraParents for taking the time to learn and empower your child and family. Thank you so, so, so much for listening, and I'll see you next week on Parents Go To OT.